episode is an extract from last year's weekly award winner Claire Woods in conversation with Amanda Farr, director of Oriel Davis and selector of the award, recorded in September 2014. Um, starting off with the works at the Waterfront Museum, Claire, maybe you'd like to actually discuss the... Talk to us about the, the periods that you were painting at with these watercolours. I decided that I'd just try watercolour, I've never used it before, and it is actually quite difficult. Um, so it, it was just a, a totally new way of working, working yeah. quickly and being able to finish an image and see it. And um, it was around about the time that the weather was just horrific. We'd had a really bad winter in my studio on the Welsh border and, and no heating and it, it just couldn't even get in. It was just frozen, everything was frozen. So started working on something a lot more intimate in, in a home environment, in a much smaller environment, because the pieces I was working on around there were like 10 metres by 5 metres, so they were a big detachment from the image. And that's that's how the watercolours came about. And they were exhibited in Berlin, and these ones are actually quite big, I can't remember the scale, they're about 2 metres square, and there was a, a really large piece that was part of the project that was 3.5 three and, three and metres long. Yeah. So it's about trying to push uh, an intimate kind of medium as far as you, you could. Okay. I mean, just out of interest, you know, the largest, if you've all seen the, particularly the Stumpery 1, Stumpery 2 pieces that are uh, at the waterfront, have you used, um, and no way, in fact, you have used watercolour on even larger scale than that as part of the same series? Yeah, it was, th- it was th- yeah. two metres by three and a half metres, but it was quite, when you're actually like laying on the paper and rolling on the paper, okay. you become, again, you become very physical with the actual structure. Okay. Yeah, it was, um, so it started off working small and eventually they just became large again. And do you find, I mean, with the process of painting, do you, um, do you discard many, actually, when you're oh, actually yeah. working? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, yeah. that's what's quite odd with the watercolours, because they were just like a, a moment of, um, yeah. and I don't make watercolours now and I wouldn't show watercolours, so that was just a moment of, experimenting allowed me to be a lot freer with the painting and it allowed me to break down some of the boundaries in the painting where I was using wet paint on wet paint so instead of everything being so structured and rigid and waiting for things to dry before I could put another colour on so the watercolours allowed me to move forward with my actual painting process but it it was odd seeing them after four years all together (laughs) (laughs) that's really interesting and with the the, the focus and moving on to the focus of landscape and the fact that I think eight about eight years ago you actually moved to the Welsh borders and you well, I've been coming for years. I've been coming to the coming to that. Well, we lived in London and um, I used to come to follow the Lempster Morris dancers and follow them along the the border literally and where they danced and a lot of the places they danced. It was either a narrative or a story or something historically had happened. Mm. It was always about this border territory, this pole between two ideals or two ways of living and how it could come together. So I wasn't actually painting them, but I was photographing and painting the landscapes they were dancing in. And it just became, I was coming up every weekend, in the end we just moved. So it was literally the move was made, and there's no family there, or it was about the work, it was about moving where I could make the work. And did you move from an, an urban environment? Yeah, we were in East London, but very different. And that, with the, the, that sort of particular interest in those borders and the border land between like no man's land yeah. sometimes do you feel that you know I think with your paintings they have that push and pull of almost something which is fearful about them and something which is very seductive and attractive about them as well I think it's always been that mm. idea of poles I like where things meet kind of area where two extremes meet and that's why that area was 
along along the along the border was is is just where I started photographing the landscape and noticing the subtle changes in the landscape between England and Wales and how it is very subtle but it, yeah. it's definitely there. It's definitely something embedded into the complete history of that place. I've always worked from photographs. It's kind of I I have to, I can't you know I'd love to just be able to go up to a canvas and start painting and that's never going to happen. There's always a process of um, photographing. And well, at that point, not so much now, but at that point, it's about going into the landscape and experience it, going in at night, going on my own, going to places I've never been before, almost putting yourself in a slightly <coughs> vulnerable mm -hmm. position and experiencing the weather, all of those things, and then taking the images back to the studio and editing them. You might take 300 photographs and end up using two, okay. and started editing them together so to make a larger image. And then would you expand that image? Would you? Um, well, then I would draw. So yeah. from the photo, so it'd be broken down into three processes. There'd be a photography process. There'd be a drawing process where I would draw what I wanted from the photograph, <coughs> leaving out bits that were relevant or that I didn't need. And then there's painting process. So when you actually come to painting it's very mechanical and it's very much about form and colour it's almost like you do thinking then you're photographing then you're drawing and then you're painting so it's it's the only way I can kind of deal with it I couldn't deal with all of that in one go it's almost <laughs> too much information so and that's how it's worked and although my relationship with the subject matter is very different now for 10-15 years it was very important I experienced that subject matter the paintings have changed a lot but I think they're still very much rooted in landscape, and I think that kind of apprenticeship in the landscape has been yeah. is the grounding for yeah. all the work. I mean, one of the things, because just to expand upon this, we've got the with the images that are being shown here, the one that is um, perhaps most relevant to the large works that Claire was working on from certainly when the, the exhibition at Chisenhale, two thousand six, yeah. um, Deaf Man's Head. Stefan's house, the one that you've sold to the National Museum, Hill of Hurdles, it is of a similar feel to yeah. me to the works that um, were in the this exhibition that showed at Chisholm Hill Gallery in 2006. Um, so that, that was based on a photograph, yeah. um, well lots of photographs that have been um, cut together Okay. in really random yeah. I mean. With that and, and the, the, the feel of this, and one of the things that's very interesting about uh, one of the essays in this catalogue was this complete lack of horizon, actually, that yeah. is fascinating about these earlier... Well, it was always... I, did, um, I kind of needed to feel like it could be something microscopic, very small that's been enlarged, or it could be a vista, um, and that balance between not really getting the scale straight away. I didn't want the viewer to get the scale straight away, and a lot of those paintings are quite big, and they've got a reflective, shiny surface, so you never really get a, get to read the whole image in one go anyway. You're very aware of yourself and your surroundings. From a distance, they're more graphic, but up close, you're actually... You're not reading the whole thing in yeah. one go. I mean, some some of the works were as large as seven feet, I think, by 36. They're mural yeah. scale. Yeah. And so the viewer would feel completely enveloped within that. Well, that was the Hepworth show. Yeah, that was, yeah. yeah, they were. So they're all in... Enveloping of the, of the also view. to have some kind of longevity because we all look at imagery so quickly. You know, I, I'm a total fan of Instagram and I do it myself. I'm going through like it's hundreds of images, mm. and I just wanted something that was going to be more difficult to read. You couldn't read it straight away, you had to spend time with it if you really wanted to, mm. if you wanted to get something from it, to have a longevity or a relationship with the painting.
So, so that you're actually literally walking through and you cannot see the whole But you piece. can have an experience from yeah. a distance, but you can have a close experience as well, so it can work. It can work like an object. So you, you know the way you'd look around a bronze or something. You're, you're looking, you're looking around the objects because they always felt like an object. Yeah, that brings me neatly on to potentially <laughs> <laughs> the next point, which is the fact that you did sc study sculpture yeah. originally at um, at Bath. Oh yeah, I was bad, but I love <laughs> I, I love sculpture. I think I, I think yeah. I think about the paintings as objects, and I. Everything is about the object, about weight. A lot more in the newer work about wrapping or hanging or holding. Mm -hmm. So I am a totally frustrated sculptor, but rubbish, so I can't do it. So I have to kind of channel that into the painting somehow. Okay. Um, and yet your colours are just so unbelievably good. Well, this is, these are so a lot of the paintings from the last two years are based on other people's sculpture, and mainly Palazzi and Louise Bourgeois mm -hmm. and um, Henry Moore and thinking about making something flat, so with the Louise Bourgeois, the fabric sculptures, or the Palozzi, the, the wax sculptures, where he'd be casting wax, so he's got something flat and very two-dimensional, and then constructing it to make an object, or Fuller de Barlow with the wrapping, the early wrapping works, and thinking mm -hmm. about that as a brush mark, so wow. that's kind of how it's developed, I think, for me, okay. my, um, my inability to make objects. <laughs> When did you decide, actually, I'm going to move into painting? Oh, it was just, I didn't decide, I just wasn't very good at <laughs> sculpture. And it kind of, I just started making objects and painting them and they became flatter and then the image became... At that point, so there's been a big shift in the practice. In 2011, when I worked on the Hepworth show, I was still using aluminium with gloss paint. Mm -hmm. And it was during that process, it was a really hard winter, and I just totally fell out of love. The paint was not allowing me to do what I wanted to okay. do anymore, and um, I'd moved on past my past my material, and I felt like up to that point, I wasn't a painter. I was making an object and covering it in a colour, mm -hmm. and the lack of brush mark and the reflection of the surface it kind of keeps you away from it. And then just before the Hepworth show opened, I decided I wanted to work in oil, which was obviously a bit of a stupid thing to do because it's quite difficult. And I'd never used oil before, so I hadn't trained as a painter, so it was a bit of a, a crazy thing to do. But it was okay, and we're still learning, and we're throwing lots of paintings away, but it's it's been quite, um, it's good with the new medium, new new paint. I actually feel like maybe I am a painter now. Okay. No, it's just a different relationship with the paint, and like you press and you get like the red painting that's just gone mm. with the white head, that whole background is the same colour paint, but because of the weight of the brush mark, you can create different tones and colours that you, you can't do that with gloss. Gloss is very on or off, it's opaque, it covers the surface, and there's no hand you know, in it. Uh, with um, pushing on a little bit more about the technique <coughs> and moving from enamel and um, gloss paints into oils, um, somebody actually came into the gallery yesterday who was a sculptor, interestingly, who taught me at, um, at college years ago. Oh, these are very interesting, but I can't work out how she gets that luminosity behind the, the paint. And he was trying to actually work <coughs> out how you managed to get that vividness. <coughs> this it's the, so with the gloss, it was always a self-etching primer, industrial, so all industrial processes that I've got detachment from, so spray on the primer. Just set, and then you'd work on top of it. Whereas now, 
using a gesso, which is like, oh, it's so boring, sanding it down over and over again. But um, that's <laughs> part of the process. You have to do it, and there's five coats of gesso. But that white gesso, mm. and, and then a lake paint with real pressure on the brush, you can just create the most incredible. Okay. The paint is just, it's just great. I love it. And also experimenting and yeah. having, a bit of, having a bit of a laugh with it. Because so. <laughs> it's, it's just um, exciting. You could, it's about this whole thing of weight, which you just didn't get with. Like this. It's like, it okay. doesn't show in this picture, but yeah. in, in, in the gallery, you can see there's like bright pink flashes, but that's all the same colour paint. It's just weight of brush marks. It's just the, 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 the ground coming yeah. from underneath. I mean, I'm, I'm, I was... He, he should have known that, I think, as somebody who taught us at college. But no, he was, he was very, very impressed with them. Very it's also allowed a changing colour because, like, we've talked about the subject matter, and it was always you go into the landscape, you experience that. So you're eking out little bits of purple and yellow, but on the whole, they're very brown and green, and you've got yeah. this sense that you can't shift. Whereas now I'm working a lot with found imagery, black and white imagery. So there's a, an emotional detachment. It's much more instinctive. It's it's yeah. not me searching for something. It's almost something finding me. I've got boxes and boxes of images, but because there's no colour detail, and I haven't like a lot of the sculptures that I've painted, I've never even seen the real sculpture. So it allows so much more for me, like colour-wise. So the colours have become a lot more internal. There's lots of reds and pinks that I'd never have used before. Yeah. Um, this is quite a recent change. Yeah, well, practice. I did a pink painting at the Hepworth, and that was the first time I'd used pink. And I'd always wanted to use pink, but I've never been able to use it to be able to retain that kind of anxiety or angst that, that the work had with the other colours. So I don't use anywhere near as much black as I used to. Okay. More, yeah, like more internal colours. And the show at the Oriel Davis, you've mm. almost the first room is a lot more pastoral, and in the back room, it's more. It's more. Um, Visceral. Yeah. So the colours have changed yeah. a lot and it's allowed. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> Moving from Claire's um, obviously focus within and upon landscape, I think mm. that might be a, hopefully a good yeah, way no, of putting it. Yeah, it's definitely grounded. Yeah, it's, it's actually looking also at the other two genres of portrait and still life and using the three works from the National Museum to anchor those mm. pieces that Claire actually chose from the National Museum's collection. And there's actually, you know, I, I find that fascinating, the fact that you're moving, I don't know whether beyond landscape, but you, because landscape was always more than just a landscape. It was I think when the, actually, like you're saying, from 2011, yeah. it's, there's been a massive change, and I don't really understand you know, necessarily the works as I'm making them. Portraits in the form of painting heads mm. and still life. She's been looking at hanging, hanging hairs, and that weight of hanging or holding something, yeah. and how in sculpture that has to work. You know, your wires have to be right. You have to have your weights sorted. Everything has to work. Whereas in painting, you can kind of create anything. You can mm -hmm. get away with that. Look, looking, that's why we chose those. We chose a, a Manet um, hair, hanging hair, one of the last pieces that he made, which is fantastic painting. A John Nash landscape with a frozen pond, and a Philip. Griffiths Jones or Jones Griffiths. Jones Griffiths. Um, <laughs> photographic portrait from Vietnam. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're all actually illustrated in this catalogue. So again, you can have a look at this afterwards for, um, to, to see the original work. But it's seeing well. how a lot, a lot of the landscape is starting to look like portrait and just trying to see how these genres, which are very traditional painting genres, how they, are they relevant in contemporary practice and how do they fit together? Yeah. 
you know, landscape's always been slightly on the periphery for my generation. And I know when I was at Goldsmiths, it was always a bit like, oh God, what's she doing? It was never know, fashionable or part of the main core mm -hmm. of what was happening. But I think, I think it is important, especially in you know, times of national trouble, we all tend to yeah. revert to landscape. And that's why I was looking at the neo-romantics and looking at John um, Paul Nash and looking at Piper and Sutherland and their use of the Welsh landscape mainly yeah. during the war. So. But I mean, particularly, I, mean, I know that the war years were very important to you as well. I know that you've been, um, you have a collection, you've looked at the World War One images and yeah. one of the works, unfortunately, we haven't got it illustrated on on these pieces, but another piece actually, mm. it's the Oriel Davis exhibition, um, is for Contented Lane. Is um, is based upon an image from the trenches, I yeah. believe. and that's the first time I've mm. painted a person in the landscape because the landscape's always been, and there's never been a figure in it. So that was the first. Yeah, was that merging of figure and so literally merging yeah. figure and landscape. So you feel very much that at this particular period is a kind of a, a turning point. Oh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's yeah. yeah. I mean, your work has become far smaller in scale. It's a lot, like it's, it's <laughs> starting to scale up again, which I, I can't help. It's so hard to make a small painting. It is so hard. It's, okay. You know, it's easy to make a big painting. <laughs> small paintings are, are so difficult. Every little, every movement counts. Every, you know, when you're working on a big scale, big brush marks, it's a very, it's a very different process. Mm -hmm. It really is. But I like the intimacy of being able to work small, not have to have anyone else in the studio to help you move things. You can, you're totally in control. You've got little panels. And, yeah. And you can, Move, work quite quickly, and there's such a high ratio of rejects at the moment, <laughs> which is good. also another good. I quite like it. Yeah. Um, Jane, the lady I work with, who comes in to strip everything, isn't the king. But just <laughs> <laughs> mean She's like, how many have you got this week? <laughs> we get through a little paint stripper. So you you, you reuse the reuse the, the aluminium. Yeah. The aluminium. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know whether that's clear or not. That's. Claire will paint it in oil, you're using oils at the moment, mm. but um, obviously has worked in, in other types of paint on an aluminium ground. Well, I work flat and yeah. also everything's tape, yeah. so the image is taped <coughs> onto, the, onto the panel and then the tape's taken off. So with these, the, the background on that one would have been painted first. So, so then, then you crawl over it to get to the Yeah, so you can kind of weave the painting in, you can weave the paint and you can get again the background on that one was painted first, so you can have a line going under a line and you just take the tape off and you work back into it. So I cut everything, cut that line, that drawn line, which then breaks down during the painting process, but you've got this mask that holds everything together. Mm -hmm. And I work flat and I don't, I never stand them up till they're finished, so. And that's when you go, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Something else that we haven't touched on yet was, was your titles, your intriguing titles, and mm -hmm. the two works that are, um, the large works at the um, the Waterfront Museum, um, Stumpery One and Stumpery Two, which I thought were um, unusually descriptive. Actually, some of your um, titles are very um, well. They all your titles are very personal. I just wondered if you wanted to talk. Yeah, through. I, mean, I, I really like titles. I think titles yeah. are brilliant. I'm not that interested in a title that's describing what's in a painting. I, I don't know. For me, it doesn't really work. Mm -hmm. um, and I think to have a title that allows you in from another angle is quite good for the viewer. Yeah. You're not telling them anything or explaining anything, but you're just adding another dimension to the experience in a way. Yeah. 
So I collect titles, I've lists, thousands and thousands of titles, and it's, I'm not driving along and it's the name of a place, or mm -hmm. it's a road name, or you hear something on the radio, or it's a song title. There's no boundaries, it's just sometimes just a collection of words. Lots of book titles at the moment, I keep seeing book titles, like the Bunyan Specialist, that was from a book. And, um, and just things that I hear and I write them down, and I n never title the painting until they're finished. But as soon as it's finished, you kind of know what the title is. It's interesting. And again, it's, pretty, it's a bit instinctive, there's no sort of science to it. Mm -hmm.